welcome to this episode of Talking Theology Along the Way. I'm Dustin Coleman. I'm John Candler. And our aim is to help real-life people think theologically through real-life problems for God's glory and our everlasting joy. On this podcast, we want to think and talk about good life management, making sure that we are managing and stewarding our money and our homes and our lives really, really well. I don't know of anybody in my life that is better at this than John. And so we're going to talk about from the Bible, from our lives, personal experience, resources we can point to that can help us think about making sure that we are leading our lives well, managing the things that God has given to us in a way that both brings glory to Him and is a benefit to other people. So we want to start with thinking about life management biblically. And John, let's start right at the beginning, Genesis chapter 1. How can Genesis chapter 1 help us think through good life management? When you look at Genesis 1, you find the creation account of of the cosmos, and there in verses 28 to 31, after God has created man and woman, you've got the commission. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And then he says, subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 29, God said, Behold, I've given you every green plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. Well, right there in Genesis 1, we have this creation mandate given to Adam and Eve that that they are to to take this garden, this new creation that, that God has made, and they're to subdue it. They're to have dominion over it. They're to rule over everything that exists there. Uh, as image bearers of God, we we are created in God's image, and God is the one who is sovereign over all things. He is the the creator over all, and and one of the ways that we bear His image is that on the earth we're to reflect that that dominion that He holds uh, over all things, over the realm that that He's given to us, which in Genesis one is is the very garden. And so from the from the very beginning, there's this this administration, there's this this rule, this leadership, this organization or purpose uh, that God gives to, to Adam and Eve about the way they're to live their lives together in community with one another and in worship to him. So he's saying, look, you guys have been created in the image of God, which means you are you are put here to reflect back to him. And then in the way that you get married and the way that you have kids and the way that you handle the land and the way that you handle the things that are in the land, you're supposed to do all those things in a way that points back to God and his goodness and his glory. And the main word he's going to use to talk about how you do that is have dominion over it. Take care of business. I mean, would you say that's right? That's what he's getting at? Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I mean, we, we have in Genesis 1... 
we have God creating, and he's creating things in a very orderly fashion, a very purposeful fashion as well. And he's saying that with within this creation, Adam and Eve, now that I've made it with a a purpose, uh, it is very good. It's it's there and it's going to accomplish the purposes that I have intended for it. You then are to live in such a way that you act with order and purpose uh, and that you you carry out uh, the plan that, that, that I have for this cosmos through you with intentionality, not happenstance, not by accident, but purposeful. Yeah, and we're not talking about love the earth, mother earth. We're just talking about the way that you get married and have kids and use this earth. It should reflect back on the goodness and the orderliness of God. So oftentimes you hear people talk about day one, he creates the sky, day two, the seas, day three, the land. And then he goes and he fills those things. Day four, he fills the sky with the sun, moon, and stars. Day five, he fills the waters with fish. Day six, he fills the land with animals and human beings. So there's an orderliness there to the creation. God is moving these things together with purpose. And then he says to the crown of creation, mankind, you go out and you exercise dominion. So there's authority here. It's not just take care of it. There's no, you cultivate this thing, but you're to do it in a way that has purpose and order and ultimately is going to point back to me. So take care of it. Yeah, that's right. And then, you know, you keep going in Genesis three, the, the, the problem with sin is the fact that Adam and Eve, uh, didn't do this. They didn't subdue. They didn't have dominion. When the, when the serpent creeps in, rather than be on guard against his craftiness and his schemes to subvert the will of God, to bring in sin into the world, rather than crushing the head of that serpent from the beginning, they turn the the other cheek. Uh, they they listen to the serpent, and and dominion was usurped by the serpent, and then sin comes into the world and. It sets off the rest of humanity in a, in a fallen state where we're opposed to God and where we need Christ to come in and, and save us. But but the issue there in Genesis 3 with, with Adam and Eve is they neglected this intentional subdual of the earth in the way that they were cultivating the garden. And when they got slack in their responsibilities, when they weren't intentional about the upkeep of this cosmos and the garden, sin crept in. Yeah, so they were supposed to exercise dominion over everything that creeps along the ground of the serpent. They were supposed to use the fruit and the seed in a way that brings honor to God, but they're using it in a way that disobeys God. And at the root of it is, you'll get some benefit. Forget God's plan. This is about you. There's a pride, there's a selfishness that that subverts this order. And I think you see that later on in the Bible when you move on. You get to a text like Proverbs chapter 6 where Solomon is talking about, hey, you lazy guy, go look at the ant. He's taking care of business. He is getting stuff done early. He's looking at what he's got to do and what's coming up, and he's getting prepared. He gathers his food so that he's got it, so that when it gets cold, he has everything that he needs. He's looking at things proactively. He's not waiting till the need comes and then thinking, oh man, what do I got to do? He's looking at Here's what's coming up. Here's what I need to get done. I'm going to go ahead and work that out. And he says, you, humanity, you can take a lesson from that. Don't be lazy. Exactly. And you see 
a little bit later in Proverbs. If you go down to Proverbs 31, the, the infamous Proverbs 31. Infamous? <laughs> infamous in a good way. Maybe famous. Let's just take the in off yeah. of it. How about we do it infamous the, in a good way doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> the, the widely known Proverbs 31 there you go. woman. But, but yeah, one of the things that she's commended for is – is her proactivity in the way that she conducts her business and the way that she cares for her home and the way that she works diligently with intentionality to, to subdue uh, her, her realm, her area of, of influence uh, for the good of her family and for the provision of her children and for the honor of her, her husband and, and whatnot. And so all of these people and, and references and, and illustrations, you know, here with, with the ant, they, they all go back and, and they all undergird Genesis one subdue, Exercise dominion. Be proactive in the way that you conduct your life and, and make sure that you are living with intentionality in your home and where, where you work and, and all the areas that you recreate and, and whatnot. And be intentional to cultivate those for the, for the glory of God. Don't, don't be slack. Don't be lazy. Be purposeful. Isn't it, isn't it interesting, too, in Proverbs 31... You've got this woman who is, I think, carrying out the Genesis mandate. And the result of it is her husband is honored. So mm-hmm. she's working for his benefit. Her children are able to be fruitful and sprout and grow. It's interesting how this working hard seems to fall in line with other parts of creation where you've got a good marriage parents taking care of their children. Just interesting to me that you've got some of those themes there with also the theme of hard work. The, the, the wife is not seeking to subvert the husband, which is a part of the curse, but because of her hard work, she's bringing honor to him. And her children are rising up and they're, they're calling her blessed, which when you get to Malachi, part of what the Elijah that was to come, John the Baptist was going to do was to turn the hearts of the children back to their fathers and the fathers to their children. So you're seeing some of that in carrying out that creation mandate of organizing and taking care of things really, really well. Yeah. And one of my favorite places in to think about managing yourself well is in Ephesians chapter four. This is a text that we use to help counsel people that come to our church and help for financial assistance So we look in there and Paul is talking about, okay, you've learned Christ. You've seen the truth in Christ. You've been given his spirit. Now you're supposed to put off the old man, keep renewing your mind, put on the new man. And one of the things he says, he says, put off the old man of stealing and taking. And he says, put on the new man of working hard with your hands. And then he gives a reason for it. He says, so that you will have something to give to a person who's in need. So we tell people, one of the parts of godly living is that you're working hard so that your own needs are met. You're not needing assistance from other people. Now, sometimes, I mean, we all know there's situations where that's just going to happen. Right. You lose a job, hard times come, someone gets sick, medical bills come in. It's not always, you got to learn to receive too. But as far as it depends on you, you're working hard so that when there's someone else in need, you're able to give to them. You've got your house in order so that when someone else's house isn't in order, you're able to step in and be a blessing. Absolutely. Man, that that reflects God, does it not? 
And yeah. we think of God, he is, he is so generous. Uh, every good gift, every gift that we have comes from him, our life, our family, the, the jobs that we, that we have and the ways that we're able to provide for our family are all tethered back to him. The very salvation that we have in Christ is a gift from him. And one of the ways that we can reflect his generous character in the world is by working in such a way that we don't think of self first, but we think of God first and then others. And then after that comes self. And that's what Paul is saying here. Work in such a way to be a blessing to others, sacrificially serve and, and honor and meet the needs of others, just as God in Christ, out of his generosity, out of his work, has chosen to meet our needs in, in abundance in Christ. Yeah, so when we think about good management taking care of your own business, having things, you're, you're attacking your life, your life's not attacking you, you're ordering things well. This is in line with biblical theology, where God is commanding us from the beginning, where this thing is moving. This is in line with biblical wisdom. Multiple Proverbs talk about the lazy man, and the foolishness of that, and the wisdom of being someone who is engaged and on top of things. And then also in biblical salvation, biblical regeneration, part of putting on the new man is being a hard worker and taking care of your needs so that you're able to give to someone else. You're in a better, more blessed condition. Paul says that he heard from Jesus in Acts 20, if you're able to give, then receive. So this is not just, hey, you know, it's it's a good idea to be on top of stuff and that's something you want to do. It's, this is in line with a lot of the main thrusts of the Bible, theology, wisdom, and sanctification is moving us toward being those who manage stuff well. And so, John, I think you're a guy who, who has done this well. I think you're naturally built this way. God has given you that grace, both in the way you were born, your makeup, the way you were raised. I know your, your mom and your parents are good at this, and then you continued that on. So I want to talk a little bit about how do you do that? So let's take just one particular area, financial. What are some ways, some practical ways that you try to manage and lead your household well in the area of finances? Well, one of the things that I spend a lot of time on in my house is the budget. So first of all, just in the house in, in general, Ultimately, everything that takes place there is my responsibility. I think you look back in Genesis 3, sin comes into the world, and you can say Eve ate of the fruit, and there's a lot of debate over who is ultimately responsible. But what you see is you see God come, come to Adam, and he's asking Adam to give an account for the way that he is leading his household or failing to do so. So everything in my household, I ultimately see as my responsibility. So if something's going wrong, you're not saying, Natalie, Natalie's John's wife, Natalie, why didn't you do this? Ultimately, the buck stops with you. That's right. So it's, it's being, uh, now, now, Natalie might need to be helped and counseled and 
and, and maybe even, you know, prodded to, to do it, what she needs to do because you can't do everything. But at the end of the day, you can't say, well, this didn't get done because Natalie did this, or I can't say because Beth did this. At the end of the day, it's our responsibility to make sure that these things are getting done. Is that what you're saying? That's, that's what I'm saying. So with the laundry, if the laundry is not done, that's my laundry. Ultimately, it's my responsibility to make sure that the home is moving in the direction uh, that it needs to move. And I'm leading well and things are getting done in a, in a way that, that brings honor and glory to God. I say that to say that with finances, the issue isn't, is the husband or the wife the one who, who does the finances? Either can do it, but as the husband, your responsibility ought to be to lead to ensure that it's getting done. Whether you have any idea about how finances work or not, you just need to be on top of it to ensure that it's getting done in, in your home in, in a healthy way. Now, for me, in my home, one of the things that I spend a lot of time on myself is the budget. And I, I do that not because having a, a budget in and of itself makes you a more generous person, which is the goal. That's what we want to, to, to be as Christians. We want to be generous, glad-hearted givers who love God and love others. That's what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 4, as we mentioned earlier. But I want to be intentional. And a lot of times, if we don't plan for things, we're not going to be intentional. And so we're not going to, we're not as good a steward as we think we are on our own. Uh, and having a budget is one of those things that allows me to be intentional with the way that our home is going in terms of, of finances. So regularly I'm sitting down and I'm looking at the income that the Lord has provided us. I'm looking at what our expenses are. I'm, I'm tracking those things very, very regularly to know what we're spending. It's If you don't know what you're spending money on, you could be wasting a lot of money. You could be underfunding one particular area to love God, love others, uh, and overfunding another area. So just being intentional about the way you think about finances uh, and budgeting uh, is is really helpful. Practically speaking, we start with giving, and we we want to prioritize giving in in our home. And so we we start with with that first, and we look at over the course of the year. Here's the income that the Lord has has set before us, and we split that evenly, uh, 10% of that each month. And and then above and beyond that, there are other things that, that we want to, to give to that we account for. And so we start there with giving. And then with that budget, we also prioritize ministry section. And then what's left, we divvy up between a number of other categories, such as house payment or utilities or food and, and groceries. But just having that budget allows us to make sure that we have our priorities in line from a financial perspective. And that's just, that's just one way having a budget can help. Yeah. So our family is the opposite in terms of, I, I have no idea how much money we have in the bank right now. I have no idea what our electric bill is. I, I don't look at anything to do with finances. My wife is very intelligent woman. She has a master's degree in accounting. So she's, she knows how to do all that stuff. But one thing we do do is we do sit down and we talk about what do we want to do. So like John, we start off 10% and that's 10% of the gross and not the net. So we're not giving 10% of what actually comes home, but 10% of what my salary is uh -huh. pre-tax. 
we give that away. And then we've got little, we've got an Excel sheet where we divide things up. Now, I don't know what all those numbers are. I couldn't tell you today what they are, but we have talked about, we want to make sure that, so we don't have a separate ministry budget, but we make sure that our grocery budget is big enough to have people over to the house regularly. Uh, We want to make sure that there's enough. So we try to budget ourselves not to 100% capacity because everything comes in surprises. Uh, So we try to, I mean, we do this with time too. We'll get to time in just a minute, but we try to budget ourselves not to 100% capacity, but giving ourselves some wiggle room. Now, some people might not be able to do that, but we try not to, to budget it to the last cent, but keep in some leeway in there so that we can say, hey, we want to make sure we're giving to the church. We want to make sure that we can do ministry. We want to make sure that we can give money away to missions, that we're not so tight and we're not eating out so much and we don't have so many subscriptions to different things that we're not able to do that. We'll talk about a big thing we try to focus on is retirement. We want to get to a place where we don't, we're trying to get to a place, you might agree with this, John, we're trying to make our liabilities as little as possible. So we just bought a house. One thing I I told Beth, I would rather have less house so that I can pay it off in 15 years than if we got a big house that was just what we wanted, but with the amount of money we make, it would take us 30 years. Number one, I don't want bills that long. Number two, you spend a hundred thousand more dollars on interest when you do it that way. But we're trying to get to a place where by our mid to late fifties, we've got almost nothing that we have to pay so that we can give more money away. You guys think about things like that? Or y'all go about it a little bit differently? Yeah, we're the, we're the same way. So with cars, my, my philosophy with cars, which is a typically a big expense that a lot of folks have. If I can't pay cash for it, I don't buy it. I don't want the liability of having a car payment and having to pay extra interest on on that car. Same thing with a house. We we, we have, we, in fact, we just bought a new house about six months ago. By, by God's grace, our family is, is expanding and we've got five of us now. And we need a little bit more space just to, to breathe and live on, on a daily basis. And and so we just, we, we bought a new house and I'm trying to pay that thing off, Lord willing, as quick as possible. One, because interest, uh, you'll pay a whole lot of money in interest over the course of a, of a loan. But really, the, the goal of owning a home is to one day in the future not have a house payment. Yeah. If you don't have a house payment, but yet you have a place to live and to have like a home bake, a home base of operations for family ministry to host people and to serve people, and all you're paying for is the, the monthly utilities, that frees up a lot of money to use for all kinds of kingdom purposes. Now, I know not everybody can afford a home. In fact, it's not always wise for everyone to buy a home, and there's reasons for that. But yeah, Dustin, we're we're in the same boat there, trying to think about ways to eliminate and reduce liabilities so that we can be more generous in the days to come. Yeah, so we're not thinking about what's my dream home, how much car can we afford? We're thinking about what do we need? We we want to be, you know, we're not going to go to the junkyard and buy a $1500 car that's got 200,000 miles on it because 
you're actually going to give out more money. You're going to need a new ride soon. But we're not trying to see what's my dream home, what's this. We're trying to look at how can we responsibly and faithfully take care of our family while at the same time getting out from under those liabilities as quickly as we possibly can. And if that means could we have afforded the four-bedroom, four-bathroom house on this part of town, we could have. But it would take away a ton of margin in our budget. We'd have to get a 30-year loan. Let's do this smaller house that's maybe a little bit older. It's still sound. You know, we're not getting, me and my wife are not that handy, so we're not going to get a fixer-upper. But the, the idea behind it is we're looking 20 years into the future. If we get this home in 20 years, we have no house payment. We've had five years where now instead of paying whatever for us, four-digit number in in mortgage payment, that's now free every single month uh-huh. to give away to somebody else for the sake of the kingdom. We can we can send to missionaries. We can be extremely generous with Lottie Moon. If there's a family in our church that's in need, has medical bills, we're able to drop a five thousand dollar check on them and it doesn't it doesn't hurt us. We're able to we want to work hard not just working hard at your job, but working hard to plan so that you're able to give more away. It's If you're going to be generous, maybe you would agree with this, John, two things need to happen. You either need to be a millionaire and it, you, know, you couldn't give away all your money if you tried, or you're going to have to work and be very intentional in order to create enough leeway. You're going to intentionally live at a lower rate than you could so that you're able to invest in kingdom and benevolence type stuff. Yeah, I would, I would agree with the second statement. Uh, I mean, you can be generous if you're a millionaire, you could be very stingy if you're a millionaire and you could be generous if you're, if you're poor and you can be stingy if you're poor, that the issue is never the amount of, of money. That's true. But, I was but, just thinking either you make way more, you have to almost work hard to spend all of your margin. But And people do that. I mean, there's millionaires that are bankrupt today. But I was just thinking for most of us, most of us don't have the problem of, oh, man, I got so much spare cash going on. What am I going to do with it? Most of us are going to have to look at what we got and intentionally live lower. Yeah, that's right. The, the the issue there is is the intentionality, the stewarding of it, the the purposeful stewarding of it, and living within within your means that that God has provided is certainly one of the ways to to do that. Which is what you were mentioning there in part, Dustin, and not trying to keep up with the Joneses or the latest and greatest that you see on social media. Which you know, I would. Not- was going to be easy, but now that I've grown up and got married and had kids, I find myself, I go over to someone's house. One of the first things I notice is whether it's nicer than mine or not. I hate that I do that, but it's, it's more of a challenge than I thought. It's like, Oh, you know, these other friends that we have, this is what their house looks like. And this is what their furniture is. And I start to feel bad about what I have. But at the end of the day, if the goal is, and not, not to say that, I mean, they just might make more money than we do, but the goal is, I'm going to live less than I can. In fact, I heard that was a a good principle of tithing that I heard someone say once. Because there's no biblical mandate for Christians to give 10% of their income. I think it's a good place to start. I think it's wise. I think it's a good base point. 
But he said, you want to give to the point where you can't live the same way as other people who make the same amount of money as you do. You should give to the point where there's things that you want to do and you have the money to do, but you can't do it because you're giving money away. Yeah, I think he's just getting at the the sacrificialness yeah. there of of giving, which again reflects God. I mean, you think about the gospel. We're celebrating Christmas here. We're in the Advent season, and we think of John three sixteen for God so loved the world that He gave His Son, and He gave His Son to die, sacrificially giving, and and that's the way that we that we ought to think about finances and resources and stewarding of our very lives. How can we, as those who follow in the way of the cross and our great God who gave his only son so that we could be saved from our sins, how can we reflect that character in the world with our time and with the resources that he gives to us much little? How can we be faithful in it to, to sacrificially and gladheartedly give so that, that others may come to know the great God that, that we serve. And certainly intentional stewardship and intentional dominion over your life is key to that. Paul makes the exact point that you're making in Second Corinthians 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. And he's talking about the incarnation and about the suffering of Jesus, but his application to that is give sacrificially. Make yourself poor in in order to enrich other people. And I think that's a good principle. Would you say that a lot of the things that we're talking about apply also to things like time and property, how your home is? You, You don't want to think about it in terms of yourself, but in terms of how can I use these resources, not just money, but time and your home for the benefit of other people? Would you say some of the same things apply? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just another it's another realm of stewardship. It's another, if you will, it's another section of the garden that God has given you to to oversee in, in the term in terms of your your life. But finances are just are just one area. But this ought to this ought to overflow into all areas of our lives. I mean, with the with the gifts and the abilities that God has given us, we ought to be thinking, how can I use these to love God and to love neighbor? And that requires intentionality, it requires stewardship, it requires planning. It doesn't just happen. You don't just hear the gospel and come out perfectly sanctified that same day. I mean, for years, the gospel was proclaimed and slavery coexisted. It takes action. It takes intentionality to apply the gospel. And it's the same thing with with our our lives, not only with resources and with our home and with our gifts and abilities and the way that we we serve our, our churches and the way we serve our communities with all of these things. If we're not going to be intentional stewards of them, strategically thinking about all of these things in terms of God first and neighbor second, and only then us third, we could be found mismanagers of, of these, of these gifts and abilities and and resources. So yeah, it applies to everything. You think about something like time. If you're constantly late 
and people are always having to wait on you to get there, you can't serve other people. If, if you are always running behind because you procrastinate and you, you don't take care of things early, well, then something might come up. This has happened to me several times. I'll, I'll put off work I've got to do. And then an unexpected emergency comes up where I could be a benefit to someone else, but I can't because I got to take care of the stuff that I wasn't taking care of before. But if I take care of what I need to do first, then I'm able to, to help other people. So when you're constantly behind or you're constantly late, you can't serve others well. My dad always told me on time is 10 minutes early. That's right. If, if on time, he said there's three kinds of people in the world. There's a people who on time is 10 minutes early. There's a people who on time is I get there two seconds before that time starts. And then there's people who on time means they've left their house by that time. <laughs> and he said, you want to be a person, if you want to serve other people well, you're there early. You're waiting for things to happen. You're able to, oh, if something comes up right before we've got to meet or do this, I'm, I'm here and I'm available to help. Well, John, I think this has been a good discussion. It's been helpful for me. Let's wrap up our time by thinking about what are some, some resources that you have found helpful in both encouraging you to manage yourself well and giving you some practical help? Well, one that comes to mind is Art Rayner's book called The Money Challenge, 30 Days of Discovering God's Design for You and Your Money. It's a short book, maybe 130 to 140 pages, really practical storyline that's followed through the book. But Rayner does a really good job of giving a a biblical theological grounding of giving and generosity, thinking about finances and and thinking in terms of God and others before thinking of self. And then he gets into some of the the practicalities of saving and coming up with an emergency fund, taking advantage of employer retirement matches, getting rid of debts, uh, thinking about retirement and a jobless emergency fund, and then getting into some practical ways to, to live it out, you know, living within your means, don't keep up with the Joneses. You don't have to increase your standard of living with your pay increases, which Dustin, you were, you were talking about, and, and a bunch of other practical practical things. It's one of the best books on stewardship of finances that that I've read and being intentional about it and practical and easy to to read and understand. And I would encourage anyone who wants to be a, a better steward in that area to pick up the book and and read it. I would mention also Matt Perman's book, What's Best Next, specifically for time management. Now you get into that book and it's extraordinarily detailed. I mean, I went through that book with a couple of guys last year and they looked at me like we could we could never do this. We could never be this intentional. But anything that moves you to being more intentional than you are right now is a good move. So I think even if you don't do everything he talks about in that book, it still can be helpful in thinking about time management and making sure that you're spending the time doing what you need to be doing, what God has called you to do and where the main areas of your responsibilities lie. 
Another book, John, we were talking about a little bit earlier is a book that's a little older. It's about 20 years old, Mainly Dominion by Mark Chansky. That book is all about looking at specifically men, but saying men get stuff done, right? Right. In forceful and uh, enthusiastic language, <laughs> get stuff done, be somebody who handles. I like that book because he not only talks about time and money, he talks about relationships. Be somebody who is proactive in your relationships. Don't don't sit around and wait for things to happen. Don't sit around and complain about nobody invites me over to their house. But when's the last time you had people in your house? The Bible says that those who water others will themselves be watered. So if you want to be someone who is having a big impact and included with people, well, include people. That's something we told our girls that when they went to this new school system. Hey, you want to have friends? You go up to somebody and be a friend. Ask them how their day's going. You go talk to them and you'll find that when you care about other people, you'll find people care about you too. So it's not just about money and things like that. It's also about relationships. Any other resources you might point people to, John? Yeah, I mean, there's several books that kind of go along with Mark Chansky's Manly Dominion, books that I've read, particularly for men, a guide to biblical manhood uh, that was put out, I think, by Dan Dumas and Randy Stinson. Very helpful parts to that book. And then another was Eric Mason's uh, Manhood Restored. They all kind of get at this at this same point of men, act like men, be men, be courageous, have moral courage, exercise dominion, love your wife, love your kids, love your church, and lead as God has called you to. Yeah, I think if there are any ladies listening, I think you can read several of those books. And obviously, there's a particular audience to which they're directed. But books like What's Best Next, books like The Money Challenge, I think Rainer has a book specifically for married couples and their finances as well called The Marriage Challenge. I think they can gain some good insights from those books as well. It's not just, I mean, obviously, it's calling out men to be men, but the basic principle of take dominion we've seen from proverbs 31 is not just something given to men even in genesis 1 it's giving to both the man and the woman so there's some principles there in those mandates that it's to both and both can benefit from listening to those principles well this has been a good discussion i hope that it has been helpful to you and we will see you all next time